how are we supposed to chase our dream if we don't know what our dream is? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh oh, are you making me like this book? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I can't. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident everything expert, Ella Kopakin. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come back to this episode later. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in the conversation. At the beginning of each month, I outline the books that we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer. Let's dive in. Let's do the interestings. Let's dive in. Chapter one on why this book sucks. <laughs> I'm kidding. We okay. We're we're gonna start with a little bit about the book, a little bit about the author, and then we'll just go. We'll just let you have at it. Yeah, talk to me. Talk to me. So, uh, some quick facts before we get started. Uh, this book came out in 2014, so a little bit older book. It is a 3.6 out of five on Goodreads. So average type of rating, a little low. And critics. So this is where it gets interesting. Critics. Loved it. Oh. Anyone who wrote a review for New York Times, NPR, Washington Post, loved it. And then the audience who read it did not like it. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And then Meg Wolitzer, uh, so she went to a similar camp, like an artsy kind of camp when she was younger. So this kind of takes from that experience. But she said, for the first time, I was taken seriously and started to think about the world and became probably a little pretentious. (laughs) And how old is she? She's older because she's the author of other books like The Wife, The Position, The Tenure Nap, The Uncoupling. So before this book came out in 2014, she had been writing for 30 years. Wow. She's established. Most of her books kind of focus on this theme of like women liberation. Okay, very cool. Also, did we do an introduction? We haven't introduced ourselves. Not to like put a damper on your ferocity for this book. Jenna loves this book so much she forgot to say hi. Hi. Welcome to the show, Ella. <laughs> Who? You know what? Who cares about the listeners at this point? <laughs> oh my God. Hi. Ella, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Red Wine Reads. Yeah. Uh, this is Jenna. I'm Ella. Jenna has... Jenna, is, this is no longer a book podcast. This is Defending the Interestings. Forget Red Wine Reads. This is a full-on defense mode. Here we go. <laughs> and normally, guys, normally we would be drinking, but right now we're fiercely sober. Jenna didn't want to interfere one drop. No, and I may be taking my lunch break to record this, So, uh, but I do have a Chick-fil-A lemonade, so that's my drink. And I've got a Nalgene water bottle full of water, so, you know, we're raring to go today. <laughs> we're raring to go. I can't wait. Let's get started. Okay, let's get started. So we got our, we got our main characters. We got the core group of the uh children that call themselves the interestings. So we have Jules, who's kind of the main, I say main-ish character. It's kind of mostly told kind of through her story. Yeah, she's the narrator. And so 
we have her and she's kind of poor, poorer than these friends that are, you know, grew up with a lot of money. And um, she grows up to be a therapist, marries, you know, they keep calling him a very normal man, uh, Dennis. Yeah, she's kind of like the ordinary one out of all of them. But these group of kids love her because she is just so like ordinary and she's funny. And then you have Ash who has a lot of money. Uh, She is the sister of Goodman. She's kind of this theater kid. She wants to direct these lovely plays. Um, She ends up marrying Ethan, who is this, who grows up to be this famous animator. And who Meg Walter really wants you to know is not attractive. Is (laughs) the ugliest person you've ever met in your life. She makes that very clear. Yes. I said he's described as ugly in a, in a way compared to his friends. Yeah. Yeah, he ends up becoming this famous animator of this show, kind of related to like Simpsons, like an adult comedy show. And he is in love with Jules and never falls out of love with her. Even though he marries Ash. Even though he marries Ash and he keeps telling Jules he's in love with her and she keeps uh, shooting him down, so... And then you have Jonah, who is a closeted gay man, but he kind of lacks like arousal for anyone, really. So I would say kind of well, he suffered trauma in his childhood. Yeah, because he suffered trauma and can't really like open up his heart to anyone, which is really sad. And then he is the son of a famous musician and he's kind of described as sweet and kind of to himself and very good looking and very good looking. And then you have Goodman, who is a good-looking guy, kind of beefy jock type with zero motivation to do anything in his life. Uh, I said um, in my description, he's very frat boy-esque. Yeah, frat boy chic, for sure. Yeah. And then he is accused of raping Kathy, who is our last member of this group, our last interesting. And she is a dancer with, I said, big boobs and a big personality. I literally, that's how I described her earlier to someone. Someone was like, oh, so who's the character? And I was like, she has big boobs. Yeah. That's the character. Yes. I found a summary that's just from the book, I think. So I'll read that here. I eventually want to get reader or listeners to like write their own summaries for me to read. I think that would be fun. Ooh, anyone listening? Take note. So... The summer that Nixon resigns, six teenagers at a summer camp for the arts become inseparable. 1974 for everyone. I mean, like, no one is knowing the summer that Nixon <laughs> resigns off the bat. That's 1974. Decades later, the bond remains powerful, but so much else has changed. In the interestings, Walter follows these characters from the height of youth through middle age as their talents, fortunes, and degrees of satisfaction diverge. The kind of creativity that is rewarded at age 15 is not always enough to propel someone through life at age 30. Not everyone could sustain in adulthood what seemed so special in adolescence. Jules Jacobson, an inspiring comic actress, eventually resigns herself to a more practical occupation and lifestyle. Her friend Jonah, a gifted musician, stops playing the guitar and becomes an engineer. But Ethan and Ash, Jules' now married best friends, become shockingly successful, true to their initial artistic dreams with the wealth and access that allowed those dreams to keep expanding. The friendships endure and even prosper, but also underscore the differences in their fates in what their talents have become and shapes their lives have taken so yeah alrighty <laughs> I'm like nervous I'm like <laughs> I just I don't even know how to broach this because we're so clearly on the opposite ends here we are okay here this is how I'll start it okay this, start um, it begin so so I was reading through Goodreads because I I finished the book and I will say I put it down and I said that might be one of the best books I've ever read wow yeah okay so I I put it down I could not get enough of it so I went on Goodreads because I was like I know people didn't like this 
And because it reminded me of Donna Tartt's books. Yeah. So like The Goldfinch and A Secret History, which I'll get to in pairings. Everyone is so divided on Donna Tartt books. <laughs> and so I was like, I feel like this is going to be similar. And so when I hopped onto Goodreads, one of the one star reviews said, the interestings are about as interesting as my butt dimple. <laughs> Burn! I died laughing. Yeah, I mean, that is really incredible. Well, what's funny, though, is I was going to say is that, like, I have only ever heard raves about Donna Tartt's books. I've never read Donna Tartt's books, but the people who I know who have love her. But also, Donna Tartt is very much the, like, I'm a unique creative. I only wear suits, and I hold up in my house for 10 years, and then I read a book, and it's a thousand pages long, and people clap. Yes. Anyway, sorry, continue on your point. Yeah, people say, like, Donna Tartt's books are too long. They're too focused on like nothing and like just these characters and I feel like a lot of the one star reviews too were following along the lines of you know this had no plot this had no up and down this had no like these are pretty much just telling the stories of these people's boring lives which I agree we are literally just reading about kind of these pretentious assholes in their life oh my god they're horrifying yeah but for me I love that I love like spying in on someone's life and their drama and like following what they think is important, what they value and how it opposes like their friends. And I love that type of thing. And I read an NPR review that I, I think she put it perfectly for how I felt about this book. So she said, we're not really used to this long haul narrative anymore. Kind of like, you know, Huckleberry Finn, Catcher in the Rye, that type of thing. One in which fortunes rise and fall through decades, not plot points. It like works similar to this book needs to be spread out because it's about changes in the world, not just only in the characters. But I'm really surprised that, wow, that was a high octave. Sorry for anyone listening. (laughs) Excuse me. But I'm really surprised that you did like it for that reason, because you said the other week that how much, or I guess the other month, how much you don't like nonlinear narratives. And and then you were like, now today you're like busting it out. But I just, (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) There was a few things for me. It wasn't so much the nonlinear narrative and it wasn't even that the characters weren't assholes. It was just to me that ironically, they were uninteresting. First things first is that it was a weirdly light on the Goodman raping Kathy stuff. Yeah. The whole book essentially centers around like this core issue of how people deal with what happened after this rape that to be honest is mostly apologized for by most of the characters and like Kathy who is raped plays such a marginal role so that was weird to me just in general but okay let's just say that then you want to write from the perspective of these people who are on Goodman's side fine they just never were that interesting their issues stayed the same from when they were 15 like actually mm-hmm. I uh, that that NPR review I disagree with because it's like okay long haul narrative there was no narrative the narrative was that mm. these people were defined by what happened when they were 15 years old found out that either the getting of those dreams of those creative dreams is not everything it cracks up to be or that those dreams can't always happen and we have to crash down into reality, which is like, okay, yes. But then my third thing is I think her writing style, there was a page dedicated to like what Jules's boyfriend's naked body looked like walking up the bunk bed. There was some stuff in there that I was just like, I don't need this information. I didn't want to know what his crotch looked like walking up the bunk bed stairs. This is a book about a bunch of unnecessary information in a boring plot. You may rebut now. <laughs> no, I totally 
totally understand. Because like I said, when I finished it, I completely understood why people hated this book. Because it is it is just talking about these people's lives and just kind of like taking you through this life of a seemingly ordinary group of kids who just think they're pretentious and like think that they're better than everyone else, which is what it is. And I think why I liked it so much was because Jules, the character, I felt like I connected with her in a very deep way because when I got to college, not so much in high school, but when I got to college, I felt this like desperate need that I needed 10 of my very best like close friends that I meet at college. Like we're going to be, you know, inseparable. These people are going to be my core group of people because that's what I had in high school. And then I got there and I didn't fit in and like I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't fit in with because I went to a small Christian college. So I I didn't fit in with the Christians because I was like not Christian enough for them. And then I didn't fit in with like the party group that was like kind of rebelling against the school because I didn't like to party. I was like the, you know, chill in my room with a glass of wine type of gal. (laughs) Like it was just this weird in between. And so I understand that need when you find a group to just like that desperate need to want to fit in and that desperate need to like be interesting enough that people like you and people want to keep you around and people have like a reason to keep coming back to you. And because of that, I was like, yeah, I understand that feeling like perfectly. (laughs) And I understand like seeing people around you kind of doing these really creative things and doing these like really interesting things and not and feeling like you look at your own life and you're like, well, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) So I think when I was reading it, I just like connected with Jules on that level. And because of that, I think that's why when I was reading it, I just felt very like connected to the characters I was reading about because I've been there. I've like been in that position. No, and and I do understand that. I think maybe what it is for me is like, even from the book's title, like that feeling of alienation is so universal. And I think that we've all been in Jules' shoes where we felt like the middleman and felt not good enough or not creative enough or whatever. But like, the thing is, is that's pretty obvious. And I think that the beauty of great literature is that that can be turned into an like it can be reworked into a seemingly original story or a seemingly original plot. But when you're trying to make a commentary on the fact that everyone feels alienated, it's like, okay, and and then on top of that, the character who I feel like sums up for me the core issue with the book is Jonah because Jonah is the only non-straight character, a character who gets molested as a kid who never feels like he can be his true self with any of the interesting. So in a way is the most alienated of the interestings who are already an alienated fringe group and he gets no real closure. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying that this is the most alienated of the group and I'm not going to give him closure, that to me is saying, okay, well, I only really care about basically making a commentary on how everyone's life is normal and meaningless and we should all just like and and we all feel alienated the end and it's like okay well a you've just given me a narrative which has no payoff b you've concocted a character character the central characters jules ash and ethan are just really annoying to be around. Mm -hmm. And then the fringe characters who you concoct this truly alienated storyline you don't even care enough about. So it's like, I don't know what you want here, Meg. Like what, you can't have everything. 
Yeah, no, you make very good points. Um, it's like, it's You're like, like, I actually hate it now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I actually, and that's the funny thing is as I'm reading it, like, I don't like the characters. Like, I really don't. Yeah. And I don't even like, I don't even like Jules. I think she has her own issues as well. And it's just funny because I really can't pinpoint like why I feel the way I do about it. But mm-hmm. I think when I like read it, it was like string of that theme of being interesting and tying that being interesting to your worth and also tying that interesting to being like, you can only really achieve this life of great uniqueness if you have a bunch of money. And I think that that is kind of fascinating as well, because you do see like the people that get to pursue their passions, and their creativity are the people with all the money. Yeah. And, and it does make sense because, you know, you think of artsy people, they're not making money unless they were given it, unless they were inherited or unless they're the best of the best of the best, which I think is, you know, Ethan's case is he was able to like take his you know, talent and be able to pursue it and be able to like make money off of it, which is not the case for a lot of people. Because then you see, you know, Ash on kind of like the polar opposite end where she has all this money, but like her stuff isn't that great. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's like fine. Yeah. And it's so funny because like I grew up in a, you know, a very, I think also I relate to these characters because I grew up with these people. I grew up in a ski town full of all white people, mostly straight. Unless, you know, um, there are people like Jonah who are closeted and can't really like express themselves because of the community I grew up in. But it, you know, all these people have so much money and they like don't have any passion for anything. (laughs) Yeah, they have they have access to everything they could have ever wanted, but they don't they don't have to fight for anything. And so for me, like looking at characters like Ash and looking at characters like Goodman, I'm like, I grew up with these people. And on that level, I like connected with those people, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's actually it's a very interesting insight because the truth is, is that, yeah, these people are around all the time and and very true to how Wolitzer wrote it. Like they get away with shit. Mm -hmm. They run away. um, They don't come back. They they forget their because did we say that Goodman runs away to Europe? I don't think we we mentioned that. Goodman rapes Kathy and then to avoid the trial runs away to Europe and never is caught. And a huge uh, Ash and Ethan eventually get divorced because she never told him that Goodman is around. He had been convinced that Goodman had just left without any contact anymore. And and you're totally right. Like, yeah, it's real that these people are just middling and they just get away with a bunch of shit because they have a ton of money and, you know, they pretend that they're interesting because they have that money and sometimes they marry creatives and are allowed to then, you know, pretend that they are creative because of who they're married to. And, you know, that's great, but it's like... Do you want to read a whole book about it? (laughs) Do you want to read a whole book about it? And also the, the other thing here is like, you know, Jules is big, I guess, internal quest throughout it is that she's so frustrated with the fact that they have money and she doesn't. And the fact that Ethan is an artist and she really isn't. And it's like, okay, yeah. So you like every single other human being on the planet had to wake up and realize that dreams don't always come true and you have to face reality. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's, it's not really that big of a deal. We all go through it. And you're like, realization that this depressed ultrasound technician may be your best ticket to love you know i don't really care actually weirdly the character who i cared the most about other than jonah was dennis 
Jules's husband, who struggled severely with depression and really has this internal uh, strife to just be good, to just be a good person. And he gets kind of put down by the other characters in the book for just being normal and being average and not particularly interesting, which I guess is probably also on purpose that she wrote him to be the most interesting person and have everybody else call him normal. So it's, it was very subversive of her. But again, like, nothing is really resolved. Like, it's just, it's just about their lives. And their lives are just like middle class New Yorkers struggling to make good. And I don't really care about that. And maybe some people really care passionately about that. And that's awesome for those people. Like, if you super relate to the interestings, I'm so happy for you. This is the book for you. Yeah. But I just, I just didn't think there was enough of a story there. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. Like it, it is very slow moving and it's very like, you're kind of waiting for something to happen. Like there's a point in the book where Goodman, you know, finds Jules in the woods after she comes back to be one of the counselors, which that part upset me so much that she went back to be a counselor at this place that she loved. And then she was like, mm, no, not for me. Well, that's, <laughs> like, that's I want to be the, the kids. Oh, God, <laughs> it's just there's such a lack of resolution. And I, and I know that Wolitzer's point is like, well, this is what happens in life. Like none of us like, make the, the decisions that we think we want to make. We don't actually make. And then when we do make them, we're never happy. And it's like, oh no shit. Really? Oh my God. But it's just like, I do think that's what's so frustrating here is it's supposed to be fiction. You wrote a fictional story and fictional stories have narratives. And if you don't want to have a narrative, then there's a creative way to make a nonlinear narrative. But you like trying to explain to us the fact that like normal people make decisions that they don't like and they don't get resolved. Wow. Like we know that. We know that, Meg. The reason we read is so that we don't do that. We're reading fiction. I don't want to read about my daily life. I want to read about someone's life getting resolved. Maybe she was too good at her job. Maybe that's what I'm pissed about is the fact that she was too good at her job. That she wrote the human condition just so on point that you're like, I read to escape, not to go deeper into my own life. Actually, facts. That's why. Because I kept being annoyed with Jules because I was like, yeah, this is really real and hitting home. I don't want it to right now, man. Like, I would like to escape. I don't enjoy this feeling. Yeah, I don't want to chase my passion, chase the thing that I've been thinking about for years and years and years in the place that I think I would do the best at the job that I would be like that was made for me and get there and realize that's not it. Where do you go from there? Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. So, and I think that it's a true fear of mine <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and yeah. And I think I, you going back to that point of these people thinking, you know, this normal, this thinking that the normal people are kind of boring or not as special as them. They ha She wrote this quote in there that says, in specialness, everyone wants it, but Jesus, is it the most essential thing there is? Most people aren't talented. So what are they supposed to do? Kill themselves? Oh, I remember that quote. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I don't agree. I think people are talented in their own ways, but, <laughs> but I think it's, it is kind of interesting. It's interesting to look at. So, you know, what if we aren't, if we don't know the sole thing we are the most talented at and that we would get famous for that we would, you know, be able to excel among amongst the rest of the people that are good at this. Like, what if we don't know what that is? And like, how are we supposed to chase our dream if we don't know what our dream is? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, 
Uh-oh, are you making me like this book? <laughs> oh no. I can't. I... Um, no. Okay. I I will give over to the fact that I do think she wrote she touched upon I think most Americans' biggest fear, which is when you are when you grow up in the United States, you are told everyone is special and everyone is a hard worker. And that if you don't fall into those two categories, you can't figure out what makes you special and you can't be a hard worker, then uh, you have just absolutely shit the bed. And I do think that she writes that very well. But I guess my point in bringing up Jonah especially is that do we really want to make that commentary about a bunch of middle and upper class white people who are like struggling with their art? You know what I mean? Like, that's a very real reality that I think can be told in a million interesting ways. And I don't know if these were the most interesting people to focus on to make that point. And I guess it is a case of you write what you know. So I don't know that much about Meg Wolitzer, but I'm sure that she knows these kinds of people intimately. And therefore, that's why she chose to write about these kinds of people. No, I was just going to say she went to a camp exactly like this. She She was a young white woman. And she is now living in New York as a successful white woman. So So she knows those people. But that being said, if you're going to give us the opportunity of a Kathy, a rape victim, of a Jonah, uh, a, a molestation victim, and a gay man who had to stay closeted for so long, of a Robert Takashi, Jonah's boyfriend, who's HIV positive, mm-hmm. of Dennis, who is has struggled with de- severe depression, and then in the end ignore all those characters who maybe could make your point better for three people whose ultimately biggest worry is essentially just not bad communication and a lack of awareness of their own personal talent or a lack of awareness of how their talent affects others. You know, I'm sorry. I just can't, I can't agree with that. You made a good point and then you wasted that point on the wrong people. Yeah. But is that like, is that like a commentary on like, that is what America does is we focus on these people that kind of struggled in their way to like get to where they are, but then like ostracize the people that are actually like struggling. I feel like we've just now in like since 2020 started telling those real raw stories. Like I feel like, and especially with this book being from 2014, but I totally agree. Like you brought that point up and now I'm like, yeah. We should have had more from them. We should have had, because even in one of my points, even in one of my bullets, I was like, Jonah, his story kind of got left out. Like, I would like to see more of his stuff. And I want to see like more of his story and how he's evolved. And like, what, what is his closure? If there is any closure, like, yeah, what does that look like? Well, I guess that's the, that's the, you touched upon the thing that bothers me the most here is that because, you know, the book was written in 2014. And so her her decision to focus on the quote-unquote wrong characters and and kind of leave behind the more marginalized characters doesn't seem conscious. It doesn't seem like a commentary. It seems like her feeding into the problem. And I think Mm -hmm. she, it, it felt to me very much like this was this woman kind of writing from this very high and mighty position of, oh, look at me, I'm gonna make some grand comment on America and then missed her own point. Yeah. Like I seriously I can't argue with you because you are right. Like you're right. You're right. And, it's not gonna change and, my mind, but you're right. No, it's true. Like, and that's yeah, unfortunately, I feel like some authors do that. 
and their books get, uh, you know, praise for it. And there are some minority writers that are writing the same stuff, but it doesn't get as much recognition. So it is like, I have to agree that it, it wasn't, it didn't end in the way it should have. It didn't wrap up in the way it should have. Like these characters were introduced, but there wasn't any depth behind those marginalized characters like you said yeah i don't know overall because i know we we're gonna have to wrap up but overall i just i think that there was a lot of opportunity there and i do think that she introduced a very real quest that we all go on of what makes us different how can i turn that difference into not only profit but happiness and if i don't do that how can i be satisfied with myself but i just think that she miss the mark in choosing ultimately fairly boring characters to make that point with. And I think that if the book had been written today, she would have spent more time on Jonas. She would have spent more time on Robert. She would have spent more time on Dennis. And I think that she maybe wouldn't have invested so much into distract or wouldn't have gotten so distracted by the Ash, Jules, Ethan romantic triangle of it all. And maybe could have spent some more time really kind of playing with that point. Mm. That's perfectly said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so sad. You seem exhausted. <laughs> I just, I'm really ready to let go of the interesting, so I'm not going to lie. Okay, well, let's get into our final ratings. Let's let it go. You, you go first. Go first. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. You know, it's just, it's just how I felt when I got done reading the book. I felt like I had... I had connected with these characters. I felt like I had, I felt like I connected with the story and I feel like I, it made me think about a lot of things. It made me like reassess my own life and my own, my own like career path and my own future and what I saw as success. So I think the fact that it kept me thinking after I'd closed the book, that's why I gave it such a high rating. But honestly, after talking to you, I would probably slide it down to maybe about a four, 4.2. Whoa. Happy, happy to do that. Because yeah, you make a lot of good points. Like why, why did we just push these characters off to the side and why couldn't we have just given them a little bit more attention? And I'm going to do the reverse or I'm going to do the same thing that you did, but in reverse, I was going to give it a two and a half, but I'm going to give it a three because I think I want to validate the fact that it it can be incredibly relatable that the character of Jules was so personally like rewarding to you. And I think it probably is rewarding to several other readers because her plight is very real. It's real to all of us. And like, I think that she did tap into a reality, regardless of if she tapped, she explained that reality with the right people. She tapped into a reality. So I think that we both saw each other's perspectives and I think that we were both respectful. And for that, I think we both get gold stars. I think so too. Great. This is why people need to talk about books with each other because this is how we get over disagreements, everyone. And ultimately, everybody, this is a podcast about open communication. <laughs> Thank you for my TED Talk. Coming to my TED Talk. Thank you for my TED Talk, but also for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> there you are. Uh, pairings, pairings. Well, uh, pairings. My TV show was Normal People. Oh, facts, um, facts. Because it's kind of a boring storyline if you're looking at it, but it talks about the human condition and that, you know, not everything works out in the end. And, and if you want to see life. a hot, hot couple, watch Normal People. <laughs> hot, depressed men. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> my my book was uh, a secret history. Donna Tart. I kept mentioning her, but it's you know about a group of young people and kind of their how they meet in school and then they just 
kind of go about their lives together. That one does include kind of a cultish uh, acid trip where they end up killing things. But um, besides that... God, where was that in this book? That's what this book needed. Yeah, there's a big climactic end where somebody gets shot. So that's a very good book. But it's similar vibes. I get similar vibes. And then my movie was Dead Poet Society, which again... Oh, that's a really good one. You got your group of people. Oh, that's a really good one. Passing the Torch. Oh, Passing the Torch. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. Actually, if you were to pick a wine that would go with this book, that would also pair well with this book, I would pick a rich, really expensive Bordeaux. Ooh, you know what? You're spot on. And if not that, I would go with like champagne or a bubbly wine, Prosecco, Mm. something that's like a little bit of class. A little pizz- I like that. pizzazz. I like that a lot. That's a great choice. So my movie is Igby Goes Down, which is a movie about a kid who grows up in an incredible amount of wealth who is just really bad at being rich and preppy and who runs away to New York City and joins a bunch of artists and evades problems, which sounds exactly like some of the people in this book. <laughs> ah. So Igby goes down. You know, I was, tr- I was really having trouble coming up with connections, but actually Sally Rooney is a really good one, building on the normal people thing. You could read Conversations with Friends or Normal People if you want another book. She doesn't necessarily talk about wealth but class is really crucial to her she's her books are very much about depression anxiety and class and how those three things meld together so i would recommend either of those and then tv show wise you know what i do have a tv show succession oh that's good if you want really unlikable wealthy people who think that they have something unique about them and don't and you want to (laughs) know the intimate workings of them watch it baby that is so good thank you that is that is really good thank you very much yes (laughs) well we'll end on that perfect perfect pairing right there Thank you, Ella, so much for this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I missed you. We skipped a month, guys. We skipped a month and we it wasn't month, healthy for either of us. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the show right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-D. That's rwreadspodcast on TikTok and Instagram. And stay tuned because next Tuesday, Abby and I will be discussing The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. You really won't want to miss it. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Thanks all.